You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to another episode of the JCN Clinic Podcast Show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And we're a little late this week with our podcast, but better late than never. Um, And today we are going to be chatting about something that is, as usual, uh, something I think I always start this podcast saying, something we're quite passionate about. But essentially going to be diving into why there is no such thing as a perfect gut, which might sound odd coming from us because we're always talking about having an amazing, healthy gut. But in the context of that, we really want to break down for you guys why there's no such thing as this elusive, perfect gut that acts in this beautiful, lovely way every day for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's probably a good topic too because I think when we started out doing our podcast, like we obviously talked about like what I don't I don't we may have used the words the perfect gut, but what like a well functioning gut should look like. And um, I think I even mentioned this in the last podcast we did with Paige. I'm not sure it was that or another podcast, but um, I do remember us sort of saying like you know we've we've always talked about you know what your bowel motion should look like and how your gut should be functioning and all of these things. And I think mm-hmm. you know with so much going on in the space of the gut health world, you know, over the last sort of couple of years and continuing to go on as well, I guess, you know, everyone has now become fixated on gut health, which is a bloody great thing, but they've also, I think there's this whole space of people becoming fixated, yeah, on the perfect gut and then that causing them stress when that's not happening, yeah? like Exactly. And that'll be a big part of what we'll talk about today. It, I think for us as practitioners, it's something that we see all the time. So we do really want to unpack that as far as our own expectations on ourselves um, as to what we think our gut should be doing all the time and really looking at where realistically that sh- should be as far as the bar of expectations. And I also wanted to preference all of this or, or start with giving people a little bit of a reminder about the gut itself because there's a lot of talk, as you said, about the gut and gut health. And I think what we need to remember is that the gut is essentially a thriving, alive environment. The microbiome, when we use that terminology, we're talking about this abundant world of all of these bacteria and yeast and protozoa and the immune system within the gut and a plethora of all different sorts of white blood cells um, doing their day daily chores and going about so many different functions. And that, that world within our gut is an alive, ever-changing environment. It's not this static environment that we can take a photo of or even from a functional testing point of view, take um, a sample of and then it will not change again. Um, it, it's very influenced by, which we'll talk about today, lots of different factors. And because of that, 
that means that how it responds um, on a day-to-day level or a month-to-month level or yearly level is going to innately change. And yeah. I think that's, you know, that that's so important in all of this and the reason why um, it can be uh, confusing for people because they don't understand why maybe on, um, you know, one specific day things are, are fine and then on another day they might experience a bit of extra bloating or a funny bowel movement or something along the lines of that. And of course, we always talk at JCN about when that can be too much. And of course, it's a sign that something isn't fundamentally right and something does need attention. But yeah, we really want to hone in today on the fact that this is an environment that is always influenced by a variety of different factors we'll get into, but that environment itself is changing all the time. And I also just think too, like like if we if we're like just you mentioned functional testing before there, and I think like, you know, like obviously functional testing is probably something I guess we as practitioners use as a bit of a guideline in terms of, you know, if we are actually looking at the gut microbiome and then we're looking at the different phylums within the gut. I even spend a lot of time like I guess counselling or even just talking to my clients about like even with what is considered the norm within functional testing, For like sure. it doesn't mean because, you know, like if you sit a certain certain way in comparison to, you know, what they consider a healthy norm on a functional test and mm-hmm. then you retest and that, you know, still looks – there's parts of that that still look similar but then your gut function seems – your gut function seems to be, you know, trotting along honky-dory. Mm-hmm. Don't like – you know, that's just your differentiation from the norm. Like to me there's just – there's no such thing as the, the normal gut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's obviously parameters we use in which to determine whether or not a gut is functioning well or not functioning well and mm-hmm. needs some, you know, interventional work done on it. But that's not to say that, you know, what is defined as the norm within the realms of functional testing is 100% correct either. And I do I do think that, you know, as the more we learn about the gut microbiome and the microbes within it and, you know, it as a functioning, I guess, e- ecological system, like that norm is going to change. Mm-hmm. This is just what we know now and, you know, and what they consider a normal healthy cohort within the parameters of functional testing too I think will change because, you know, like – Again, who's to say what normal is, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just think like so much of that that space and that world is going to change and evolve over the next sort of, you know, three to five to ten years of what they actually consider normal and healthy as well. So Oh, I so agree. And it's it's a hard one for us because as practitioners, we're wanting to use some form of of testing that does give us more of an idea of what's going on in someone's gut. Um, but and it's a it really, great bloody useful tool. Oh my it's god, amazing. it is! But we have to weigh it up, and I think it's really important in this conversation. It has to be weighed up in the context of the person mm-hmm. and their presentation 100%. and symptoms. And you're you're so right. Like this, these tests that we're currently using compared to say ten years ago have bec- they've come leaps and bounds, and the type of testing all the way the methods of testing I should say have completely changed and that's wonderful it's given us so much more data but essentially it's still quite rudimentary and we are still learning and it's going to just change and evolve and there is definitely I think the the most important thing in reference to this is what you is what you're saying we do have these reference ranges but even those need to be still taken with a grain of salt and I think personally if we the the 
the best we could get out of testing, and this is so not doable because it's not viable financially, is if <laughs> we could use <laughs> the current tests and test you as an individual on, say, a three-monthly cycle. Yeah. So we could see your test and your gut consistently looked at because really when you're only you do that once it's a good it's definitely a really great tool used in unison with good case taking but you are using that off reference ranges um, and what we currently know is potentially like inverted commas good or bad but if you can you know some of our clients who do retest and seeing that data against an original test that I think is more valuable in itself and I would also say highlights again how important this variability in just Mm. microbiomes from even just in one person is like you can see someone and I think this is again what you were saying with your clients who has done a test initially and you've worked with them and 12 months later they are just feeling so great and and just really happy but they want to retest and see and you retest and you can see a lot of improvements, but there's also different bacteria that are sitting outside reference ranges still and maybe a few other things. And that can really be quite confronting for someone, but yeah. it highlights it, doesn't it? It's just like, yeah, but this is you. This is your gut. I think that and that highlights perfectly the topic of the podcast is that there is no such thing as the perfect yeah. gut. Like I, and I think too, like, um, like sometimes too, like that retesting is great and we love it, And but I've, I've also seen – I've also seen the flip end of it where, you know, people like clients of mine have worked with other practitioners where, you know, they've done an original test, let's just say a SIBO test, for example, and they've, you know, done a SIBO protocol um, and you sometimes, in some time in between that space, they've ended up working with me or probably yourself or, you know, any of us girls at the clinic and I know, I'm sure we've all seen this. Um, so usually let's just say like they're, you know, working with an integrative GP, they've done a SIBO test or they've done some sort of comprehensive stool test, they've taken all the supplements, they usually come and see us for the diet side of it because that's too, you know, obviously the part that we're so passionate about, not just giving people a, a fucking handout and saying, do this diet, <laughs> you know, we're like, okay, cool, let's actually make this diet work for you and let's then stage you back through the reintroduction of food and all of that. And, you know, and sometimes I'm like, like, you know, there's probably no need to retest. If you want to retest, retest. But then the other practitioner, I'm not bagging other practitioners, well, but I'm just giving an example of, you know, how you know, this can go a bit pear-shaped sometimes too and in the in the constant search for this perfect gut in inverted mm. commas mm. and they retest their SIBO, they retest their thing and they're feeling freaking great. Like their yep. energy is good. They, their gut function is 80. Well, I always just say for my clients, we aim for 80 to 90%. If 80 to 90% of the time your gut is pretty well functioning well, like your bowel motions are good, bloating gas are minimal, you've got no, like minimal upper GI symptoms, you know, all, all of the things that we look for. I'm freaking happy with that, man. Yeah. Like that's, exactly. that's, that's a good gut. Um, you know, anyway, and then they go and retest and they might retest their SIBO thing and all of a sudden it comes back, they've still got a little bit of SIBO kicking around and, you know, that distal and proximal area, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, okay, let's repeat this whole process. Let's not. Mm -hmm. Like, you're feeling good. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I think sometimes too that's where it's like, you know, treating people as not not what comes back in their test results but treating them as that person that's in front of you. It's like, okay, you're feeling good. If you maintain that for the next three months or you've maintained that for the, the past three months and you're eating most foods again and all of that, we don't need to go and mm-hmm. do all this stuff. This is just your gut. You might just always have a little bit of SIBO kicking around or have a bit of Klebsiella or a bit of yeast kicking around. But yep. if all of your other health parameters are good and you're feeling good, cool. Exactly. <laughs> and again, remembering in that that those tests that might say that you still have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, they 
are good tests to a point, but nothing is perfect. So nothing you know you, you and your test, body. You could test any gut at any time and find a find a find a problem with it yeah, if you agreed. wanted to. Like yeah. if you wanted to, but if you don't need to, then I don't know. It kind of feels like we're now going against testing, which we're not. We <laughs> love our testing at the clinic because it gives us so much insight and it helps us treat you on a, such a more like you know like um you know in depth and streamlined you know way but there's also too that time time where you just go cool your gut's functioning well you're, you're ticking all the boxes so yeah exactly exactly so let's sort of talk about and this might come back to talking about the microbiome itself again but when we're talking about a gut that's functioning well as you just highlighted and I think it, it's good putting a bit of a, a percentage on that you know maybe that's that sort of 80 90 percent rule that's very different from 100%. So <laughs> let's sort of talk about... I'm 80% person. I'm like 80% for everything, 80-20 <laughs> <80, 20> life. <laughs> and I think what's really important there is what, what Chris is saying is that there's going to be time in your day-to-day or month-to-month where you will sometimes experience a bit of bloating and you will sometimes have a bit of a funky bowel movement. And we, as people who work in this space, totally (laughs) see this with our clients and we don't have perfect guts. None of us have perfect guts. I'm just trying to think if we had something for dinner the other night and I honestly (laughs) should have filmed my gut afterwards. Like, like, honestly, like, I think I just rolled into bed. It was (laughs) so bloody swollen. And like, this is just the perfect, I didn't lose any sleep over that because I knew that I can't even remember what we'd eaten for dinner, but like, I just, uh, it was just a combination of probably like, I think I'd had a bit of gluten for lunch and then just had a massive dinner. And, you know, and I just remember like, oh, I think it was the, it was, yeah. So it wasn't even anything bad. It was the beef cheeks that I cooked um, for Emma and I's thing, but just completely over ate. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And just like honestly, my bloating, like my gut was just this solid. I looked like I had a bloke's beer gut. Like it was hilarious. <laughs> like you couldn't poke this thing anyway. But yeah, but that's the point. Like we don't have well perfect functioning guts. Like we have well functioning guts. Exactly. But we swell up. We eat too much. We get constipated from time to time. Or other other others of us get like loose bowels from time to time. Like. And everyone, each person has their individual triggers, and that comes back to the fact that all my microbiome is different to Carissa's and Carissa's is different to Paige's and Paige is different to Emma. So we're all going to have different types of um, reactions or things are going to play out a little different in, in our guts compared to each other. And then we have to be respectful of the fact that this, this environment within our gut is highly influenced by the food that we eat every single day. And we know, and we've talked a lot about on this podcast, that there is a lot of beautiful foods out there that are heavy prebiotic foods that are often avoided on certain types of restrictive diets. But when you are including them in your diet on a day-to-day basis or a little more than normal, then these types of highly fermentable foods are going to provide more fuel for the microbes in your gut and create consequently more fermentation and then more gas and then probably a bit more bloating and probably a bit more wind. So as I often say to my clients in this space who start to get a little bit worried sometimes about like, oh, I was a bit more windy after I had this and that. And we start talking about what they've been eating and 
maybe being the season it is right now, there's a bit more of our Brussels and our cruciferous veggies around and people are eating a lot more sulfury veg and slow cooker meals with lots of onion and garlic. And it's, it's natural that having a lot of those foods is going to provide more fuel for bacteria and consequently see a little bit more gas. Like it's a joke in our house if we've been hitting the Brussels sprouts hard, like doing a big roasted tray and, you know, three days later eating it every day, there's going to be a competition of farting in the house. It will happen. (laughs) It's the same with like, I know you and I have had this discussion about legumes too, right? Like I feel like there's a threshold for legumes. Like I've got a handful of clients, like literally a very small handful of clients that can eat legumes till the cows come home and their gut function is just still pretty bloody bang on. Mm -hmm. But for the rest of us, that, you know, like I, I feel like, you know, and I just said to a lot of my clients, like across the week, if, you, if you're like not vegan and relying heavily on mm-hmm. like legumes and stuff like that, if you can get them in two to three times a week, you know, with minimal sort of gut interruption, like that's that's pretty good going. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you're going to make up these beautiful like, you know, dishes and you're, you're going to have a lot of um to like cross reactivity of starches. So you've got some, you know, some, you know, denser starches like your sweet potatoes in there and then you've combined that with some, you know, some legumes or some, you know, butter beans or any mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. And, you know, you might, you know, you've got all these different kind of starches happening in one meal and you're eating that a couple of times a day across a span of a couple of days. That is a lot of fuel hitting the yeah. in your gut microbiome. Expect that you may get a bit farty or a bit bloated from that, and that's okay. Exactly. And that's where we often come in and we've talked about in other podcasts. It's, it is that differentiation of what is normal and what isn't normal. So, yeah. and, and that's what we'll often talk with with our clients and go through this, and particularly if you've been working on your gut and, and you've been well, Perhaps it is just the fact that you've been eating a bit more of these foods and having them a little bit more heavier and it's just finding where that sort of point sits for you. Um, so maybe you're, if it's starting to do your head in a little bit, you might need to pull back a bit or, you know, is it even is, – is it just a discussion about it's actually okay, it's fine? It's actually okay, it's um, fine. And, it's, if and it's I think the, that's where, like, work – sorry, like, but I think that's where working with a practitioner sometimes yes. if you are someone who – this does wreck your head a little bit or you're at this that's where like we really come in because we can help you differentiate and sometimes like just that talk it's almost like talk therapy talking through yeah. exactly what you've eaten exactly what's happened from an emotional point of view that day or that week from or from a stress point of view from an exercise point of view sometimes it's got nothing to do with your bloody food at all like- exactly <laughs> well that's so true like even I mean while we're still talking food the food if if you're working with a practitioner or I guess even people who would be listening to this podcast generally they're going to be pretty into eating well and 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 probably start eating seasonally a bit more buying from farmers markets so as a result because you're not eating the same type of food all the time your dietary intakes being affected by what's available at the farmers markets your vegetable and your plant-based produce is going to be changing seasonally. So I, I guess, again, to kind of go back to those natural ebbs and flows as far as diet, like if you've got already a, a, a microbiome where naturally there's cycles of bacteria and yeast, maybe protozoa because that's a whole other ball game itself, like we may have these symbiotic <laughs> parasites that live with us, they have their own cycles, that alone is constantly changing. And then on top of that, we have 
this change of food from day to day and then seasonal changes of food. So if we move from summer where we're eating a lot of stone fruit and mangoes and a lot more probably beautiful seasonal fruits, a lot more fresh salads and so forth, and now we're moving into winter with all of these heartier, starchy root veggies, everything's cooked a bit more, a lot more cruciferous. Like, of course, there's going to be changes and, and that's going to feed different bacteria more yeah. and plump those guys up that they might have been a little bit more starved off in the summer months. So, you know, there's that alone, which is a huge part of this, but you, we want to see a gut that generally moves nicely through that, but we're respectful of the fact that at points there will be a little bit of extra wind or a little bit of extra this or that. Um, but then as yeah. you were just saying, there's a whole nother level on top of this of life <laughs> and stress and yeah. hormones <laughs> and exercise or yes. lack thereof you know <laughs> like it's just like just to give an example and I know this I know this person will be listening to this podcast but just to give an example of how simple it can be sometimes to just work out with a practitioner as to what made a catastrophic change in your gut so one of my clients this week and I bloody love her she is a bag of laughs and every time we have a consult it's just hilarious but we're going through so basically we like her gut had been functioning the best it had been and then we basically had three weeks in between a consult and I know if she's listening to this, she's just gonna be pissing herself laughing because <laughs> anyway and then all of a sudden like from somewhere between the last three weeks we're still in very early stages of doing stuff and building her diet up very restricted diet so we're just like slowly bringing some just even plant-based starch back in all of that kind of stuff so it's very very baby steps very reactive to supplements so super baby steps anyway so we've gone from feeling good and then she just had a run over like a shit eight days where usually loose bowels but I just swung to constipation mm-hmm. in her like and for her who's like very busy minded like all of us are like doing a lot of things very busy with work all of that straight away she's like I haven't changed anything with my food I don't know what's going on blah 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 and then I'm like okay cool like well, let's just go through the last couple of weeks like walk me through your food I'm like okay that's still very similar to how you were eating last time we've just we bought a few little things in but nothing nothing big like we're just trying to get her to actually get a few good weeks of just sitting with some very basic supplements to look after her gut lining like that's how slow and steady we're going uh-huh. Anyway, and we're going back through stuff and then all of a sudden she's like, oh, hang on a second, like I added um, this extra thing to my, my my mushroom latte in the afternoon. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's that. But in my mind I'm like, oh, not really, blah, blah. And we just got talking, I'm like, anyway, what have you been doing? Like tell me what you've been doing exercise-wise. Oh, and I couldn't, ex- I couldn't exercise for a week because I hurt my neck and I had to take some painkillers. Oh. Like, okay, so for someone who's really active, whose bowels and gut and gut microbiota and you know all of that respond really well to exercise to not exercise for a week is gonna make you feel more constipated so and painkillers and and yeah i think she only took a bit of neurofen stuff like that's still going to impact a very sensitive gut do you know what i mean like we already know what neurofen and all that does you know can do to the gut lining i think she said she ended up taking painkillers anyway well she was just in a lot of pain i can't quite remember now but but when you think about just that, like, you know, we could have gone down the whole rabbit hole of mm. blaming food and blaming that and pulled back on everything we'd done when realistically the simple the simple answer was, and this is why it's so important to work with a pracky, or mm. just talk it out, you just didn't exercise for a week, mate. Like, Yeah. Oh, look, you know, and it's and, uh, so common for us and, again, why we wanted to talk about this today and this topic that often with our clients as you walk through improving the gut and, and seeing really wonderful changes which is highly rewarding for us and of course you know it's their it's their goals it's it's all just a, a big part of 
this great process, but generally for most people, it will hit a point where they may experience um, a little bit of a, for them, they'll feel like it's a step backward or some, some form of gut symptom. And it's really, I like what you're saying there. It's that actual talk therapy of where we just have a conversation and in your mind as that, that person experiencing it, and we've all been there, all you can think about is what did I last eat? What have I been eating? What, what was I my done? last meal? What did I do? What have I, it's always about what have I just eaten? And I would say eight out of 10 times when we talk it through with you, usually it's actually nothing to do with what you just last ate. It's something that's been going on in your life. It's been some other changes um, yep. or it might be just the fact, it could be dietary, but it might've been something that you did on the weekend that you've completely forgotten about. One of my kind of clients slash great friends, and she won't care me using this as an example. <laughs> we had this on, I think Monday or no Tuesday we spoke and she's had a great gut. She's just like, Jess, I'm doing the best poos ever. They just don't even need a wipe. They just like giving me all the details, of course. She's like, but just, you know, today I just don't feel right. And she was like, oh, I had this in my smoothie, like, you know, classic breaking it all down. I've had this and this, okay, could it be this added to my latte? Right. Same thing. Anyway, we kind of go off track and then she, I'm asking about what they've been doing in the weekend. Turns out on the weekend that she went to Ikea, classic trap, we've all been there, got stuck there way too long, ended up really hungry and they bought hazelnut chocolate bars and ate them in the car on the way home just normal dairy chocolate she's reactive to dairy and then they went to a friend's place that night and ate pizza for dinner yeah, there you go. and then she's just like you can see the lights going off and she's just like oh oh maybe it was that maybe that's why 48 hours later I'm not feeling as crash hot as normal that's yeah. not yeah. the kind of weird new powder I threw in my smoothie or the fact that I had a little bit too much carbohydrate or whatever it might be and it's just it's always it's more likely that it's it's something else it's nothing yeah. it's not some massive step backwards and that everything's kind of falling apart there's usually a reason and also like I just, like the I spend a lot of time talking to my clients too especially the very, like my very stressy clients that have very reactive guts that you know are like definitely probably do tend to kind of, I guess, over sweat the small stuff a little bit or overthink a lot of, you know, was it this that I put in? Did I put too much of this? Was it this extra thing? Is that nine times out of 10, some, when, when your gut's going pretty well, you're always going to have, I was just always used to use like the kind of, like a, not, it's not even an analogy, but just the five steps forward, two steps back, three yeah. steps forward, one steps back, step back. That is the process of healing, guys, no matter what yeah. the hell you're dealing with, your gut, your mental health, anything. That is just how we move forward. It's not just woo and we're off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a process. It's a journey, right? But yeah. But like, it's okay to have a day where things just don't feel right, and you can't attribute it to anything. Just mm-hmm. don't try and attribute it to anything. Mm-hmm. Some like usually, like with talking to your practitioner, you will be able to maybe work it out, and that's great where we come in but sometimes too you're just going to have an an off day and it's mm. nothing that you've eaten it's nothing that you've done it's just for some reason there will be some shift in your gut microbiota that day mm-hmm. that we don't have the answers to yet and you might be a bit more constipated you mm-hmm. might have just been a little bit more stressed or had a little bit of something on your on your mind like it's something sometimes can be the most smallest minute thing that is absolutely nothing that you have done exactly. and i think that's there's a lot of blame and guilt and food shaming and I think like um, 
I think just like really like self-picking if that's mm-hmm. probably the I don't even know if that's the right word to use but like where I see a lot of my clients they're so hard on themselves mm-hmm. about what they've potentially done to set their gut backwards and I'm just like it's nothing you've done like exactly. it's just there's so many factors out of your control there's a lot within your control but there's also so many factors out of your control when it comes to micromanaging a complicated gut or just managing a gut in general mm-hmm. that you know you just gotta let slide I guess so yeah and that's that's the other huge component of this is the the stress element like you know we mentioned stress as far as the day-to-day stresses and environmental stresses lifestyle that may be affecting you and I know that's a big thing for a lot of people at the moment but the the self-inflicted stress in this space is is very very um it's a huge part of the picture that we see. Um, there is a lot of, yeah, high expectations that people put on themselves when they start working with the gut. Um, and I guess with health in general, where you have this expectation of perfection, um, I think as women, there's a lot of that, um, in the space of just always feeling like things have to be perfect. Um, and I think that plays out heavily in the gut. And unfortunately there's a lot of, getting into a bad cycle with this because the stress that people create for themselves by wanting to have a perfect gut all the time and then you know really obsessing about the fact that it's like why am I more a bit more bloated today what have I eaten what have I done that actually creates more of a, a bad feedback onto itself because then you start becoming more stressed which <laughs> creates more problems for your health when really just majority of the time in these cases it's just let it go. Let it roll off your shoulders. Like imagine how much better. I'm sure there's people listening who really stress a lot about their gut, just the every intricate detail. Like imagine how much more enjoyable life would be day to day if you just stopped caring so much about every little thing and obsessing about every little thing that you eat and what it might do. And, you know, of course we're starting to border here in a bit of, I guess, disordered eating behavior that yeah, can fall gonna, into this I was space. Say that, yeah. But, and, and that's, again, as practitioners, something we're very, very careful with because we do work in this space and we do have to use different sorts of dietary protocols and there's, there's an element of restriction sometimes that come into that. And they can, we've talked about how that can be highly triggering. And, yeah, when you work with this space, I just think that it highlights how much you need to have someone that you can talk to and understands what you're doing and can really be a sounding board because as we both said, we've both experienced just there just recently and we every week mm. people who are getting themselves tied in knots when it's just like, it's okay, it's all right. It's, it's, yeah. It, when you don't need to obsess about this or – it's just this or it's just that. Yeah, um, there will be a logical logical answer somewhere. Exactly. And I, I'm i definitely the same and I know the others at JCN would be the same. It's, it is always when we work with the gut as a practitioner, there's always going to be ups and downs. But what we're looking for is this steady trajectory upwards. We want you to look back from six months and go, wow, in six months I have – seen this change and this change I'm feeling so much better but it will never be this perfect like just line if you could graph it it will look 
classically like one of those graphs where there's like the ups and downs but it's slowly going up because that if you didn't have that you would be some sort of weird robot and we would be like sending you off for some other (laughs) (laughs) government test because you're not very man can you go and give everyone fecal transplants that needs them please (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh dear Uh, so I think I think that's probably a big part of what we wanted to highlight today with this kind of perception of a perfect gut because there is no such thing and thinking that there is is often part of the problem and then ironically feeds back onto people having more symptoms anyway because of the increased stress that they're creating. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention about kind of in this that topic? Space. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I, you mentioned before, I don't even know if it's worth, I can't remember if we've talked about it in other podcasts or we've just chatted about it on lives and stuff. Have we talked about, I'm just getting, I've been getting a lot of feet, like not feedback, a lot of questions at the moment around um, parasite treatment as well. Mm. And I think we've covered this in another podcast. I can't remember. So if we haven't, everyone's listened to it and they're like, shut up, Chris, you've already talked about this. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it again anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, I just, it just seems to be something that's very fresh in my face at the moment again is that whole, um, that whole gung-ho treatment of um, parasites and people freaking out about parasites in the gut and mm-hmm. just I think too like and you just mentioned it before like symbiotic parasites do you yes. know what I mean like ones that actually work you know not necessarily to the detriment maybe not to the benefit we don't really know a lot mm-hmm. yet about like the subtypes of the parasites and stuff like that but like Again, it comes back to just what we were talking about before with like retesting the gut for, you know, when a gut is functioning well and then all of a sudden you go back to your GP and they retest you for a parasite and you still got, say, Mm. blasto kicking around. Like I've I've had a lot of clients over the last, I think, probably, you know, maybe three months that their GPs or integrative GPs or naturopaths, probably more um, GPs, I think, probably primary ones, um, retest him. They're like, oh, we're going to give you another course of this antibiotics. And I'm like, nah, mate, your gut is functioning well now. You do not need to go and take these hardcore antibiotics. And they're like, yeah, but what if I've got this parasite living inside of me and doing all this damage? I'm like, parasites, the more we know about them, like Mm. this whole old school treatment of 10 years to 20 years ago of going in guns blazing, trying to wipe wipe them out and just wipe, wipe, wipe the gut out until we've got rid of the parasites. It's just so dated. Yeah. So if you are working with a practitioner or you are working with a GP and they're just constantly throwing antibiotics at you or antimicrobials at you in this attempt to just destroy a parasite or a gut organism at Mm. the detriment of your gut or when your gut is starting to function well and you feel like you don't need to keep going with this treatment, then my advice would be don't. Yeah. (laughs) It's so true. I, I think we even have, I know lately, you know, over the years for sure, but it seems a bit of a run of it lately of clients with super chronic gut issues and usually as part of their sort of story or case history, they've, they've had a session of testing with a, a GP, sorry to bag out the GP space, but having a test done, coming back with a parasite and then having like, very intensive antibiotic treatment around that and always the feedback is like that made things worse and then they may have tested again and it and it's still been there so they've gone again or they may have tested again and it's gone it's like yay it's gone but now my gut feels horrible and generally 
whether the antibiotics have gotten rid of the parasite or not, most of the time the parasite wasn't even the problem. And it's very, very <laughs> much a hot topic at the moment. And there's again more and more research coming out that many of these parasites that we do see commonly in testing, not so much things like your, um, I'm trying to think of some of the more adverse ones, like your oh, gear, like Giardia, Giardia and so forth. No, we're not talking like that. Like the real nasty We're not ones. talking that side of the story, but off. probably your um, your blastocystis would be a, a common one. Diantamoeba. Um, they're probably your main two that we see quite. You, actually, it's not in functional testing. You don't see heaps of parasites, but if they do pop up, they're the two that tend to pop up. And there's even there is research now that's starting to correlate them with some more positive symptoms or, or more healthy, robust guts, which is quite fascinating. So there's a big question mark about this need to go in and get rid of them. And I, I certainly, like I think you're saying, would question <laughs> at all the need to be going in and with with these, your term, guns blazing antibiotic approaches or antimicrobials aimed at parasites because usually they're just hanging out, not doing any issues, maybe actually helping. And often we'll see if we do retest that, yeah, there might be a parasite that was there that was gone, but often it could still be hanging out and you feel amazing. Um, so so it, it just really, <laughs> it really highlights, I think, in this conversation that yeah. trying to create a perfect gut on a functional testing level isn't achievable yes as a practitioner we can use it as a tool because we know we should know <laughs> hopefully um, and other practitioners out there how to use the results in its context with the person so that's where it's useful but trying to use it as like a photograph of your gut to go this is my perfect gut everything should be sitting in this perfect alignment is just not the way that it is and if you look at it in that way you, it you're just setting yourself up for fail and yeah. right through to the fact of every day expecting your gut to be flat as a pancake, minimal gas or no gas, um, never any variations in your stools, a perfect poo every day for the rest of your life, never a little bit of burping. Or <laughs> it, again, it is not achievable. It is not practical. And if you put those expectations on yourself, then you're just – creating more and more stress um, let yeah. alone if you're a female and you're dealing with your period month to month and the effects of hormones onto your digestive system alone that, like that alone like honestly like sometimes just that like the period alone like sometimes I'll be chatting to my clients and they'll just be like yeah like my gut's been doing so well this month like just to give an example but like the last few days I'm just so constipated and I've so I've been trying to eat more fiber and I've been doing this and I've been drinking more water and I just I don't know I don't know what's causing it and I feel bloated and I'm like, when's your period due? <laughs> oh, in two days. I'm like, normal mate. It's yep. fine. Like yep. as soon as you get your period, give it a couple of days, that estrogen, all that, it'll just it'll go back to normal. Yep. But I think I think, you know, or I had looser bowels, like we do have a few clients, you know, like a few clients, like people seem to go one of two ways. Like mm -hmm. a lot of clients, a lot of my clients seem to be more the ones that get constipated up towards yeah. their periods and I've got a few that probably get looser bowels. But yeah, like there's just so much that happens even just from a hormonal space that, you know, us girls, like unless unless you know about your cycles and all of that, then you know, there's you can just wreck your head unnecessarily. So Exactly. Exactly. So hopefully we've highlighted some of those main areas. I think what we want today for you guys to take away is just 
yes, we want you to have a healthy, robust gut, but we also don't want you to be obsessive about it and to think that it's about perfection because it's the same as putting it in the category of the perfect body or the perfect hair or the perfect (laughs) bikini line. (laughs) And we all are lacking, I'm sure, the perfect bikini line at the moment because I can tell you I ain't been for a wax in a while. God, I was watching um, Dead to Me last night. Oh, love and, uh, it. <laughs> I can't remember what she said, but she's like, uh, anyway, anyone who's seen it will understand. It's when Judy, like, um, she picks up um, the police guy or something and she's like, uh, she's like, I haven't, you know, have, I, was, I wasn't prepared downstairs or something. <laughs> He's just like, oh, I'll just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Pissing myself laughing, like how many girls have been there? Probably, <laughs> especially <laughs> with waxing salons and everything shut at the moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Apparently, oh, there's a um, a real. This is okay. Off topic before we finish. There's a real um, rise again in the full bush, as opposed <laughs> to the like the full wax scenario. And there's been lot. Have you? I don't know if you've watched um, Normal People yet. It's um, a TV show that's been done off a book that was really popular. I read it one more way and I was obsessed with the book. So when I saw it was a TV show, I was like beside myself, but is it on Netflix? Um, like I think or? it's no, it's on Stan. I, you've got to oh, watch okay. it. It's so good. But um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sex scenes in it with the two main characters and she's sporting quite a full bush. And it's like, it's just, everyone's talking about her full bush and that it's like now this whole new trend. And apparently women are like starting to go back and wanting to get like, um, cause they've had laser. They're trying to like, look at how they can get hair again. It's just like, Oh my God. But you have to, okay, last, last thing before we finish up, which still has to do with normal people. There is no joke. The guy, the main guy in it called Connor. God, there is an Instagram page that has been started on Connor's chain because he wears, it's, he's constantly has a silver chain on. Um, and someone has started this Instagram page and it's just stills of Connor with his chain because he's become this new heartthrob. He's like the new Jamie out of Outlander, but nowhere near as hot. But and people what's just the Instagram page called? I li- I think it's literally just called Connor's Chain. Like how do you spell Connor? C O N N E R? it might be O R. I think C O N N O R. Yeah, <laughs> this is highly important people. I'm sure that there's people who are listening who have seen it, but there'll be, I know there'll be people who have watched normal people or, or who are in the middle of it. And it's so good. So, so good. It's just, it's just about two people, um, who are heart like they're together as kind of high school crushes, um, that just can't get their shit together and about growing up and wanting to be together and then just not communicating properly and all the crap that happens in between. But it's so good. Can you see it? Um, nah, I'm oh. like, I can't find it. I so wanted to find it while I'll we were chatting. You'll have, <laughs> have to, to send me. it so to I you. I probably won't get it anyway because I haven't watched the series. But... <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, huge sidestep there, huge but very sidestep. important. There was a thing that came across, like, I remember a couple of years ago and I was with Greg at the time and um, I remember, like, I can't remember if it was, like, a Cosmo or a, um, what was the other, there's Cosmo and what was the other big magazine, like, 
There's Vogue, Cosmo. I haven't bought a magazine. It's so bloody I know, much. right? L? Anyway. No. Oh, it might have been L. I, I don't know. I know I always used to just buy Vogue or like Cosmo. Anyway, but and it was basically just this chick on the front, full bush, like just, <laughs> and it just said like in big letters, the bush is back. <laughs> Holding it up in Greg's face, and he just went, like, fuck it is. <laughs> and he just fucking laugh. I just couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, mate, this is the way the whole world's going. I might have to follow suit. <laughs> oh, God, so, it's so funny. Yeah, so there's no perfect bush either. <laughs> no perfect gut, no perfect exactly. bush. Exactly. Stop setting your sights so high. <laughs> so thanks heaps guys for joining us we (laughs) we really do hope that this is um you know taken a little bit of stress off shoulders of people who who do really um put a lot of pressure on themselves in this space um if you do have any questions or you know if we've hit some hit some topical points for you when you need to reach out please do you can do so through our social media or at the clinic um, you can jump onto the website. All the links are in the show notes and just send us an inquiry there. Um, but we're always here to answer any questions and um, love, love, love to help out in this space. We really do. Other than that, um, we would love it if you subscribed, if you aren't a subscriber already. Um, if you subscribe and if you share the podcast, that helps other people find us. So please do. Um it would be really cool if you could just take a minute of your time because I'm sure you've got the time at the moment, right? We're all got a little bit more time apparently <laughs> to just leave us a review. Uh, if you can head to iTunes uh, and just, even if it's just, you hit the old five stars, but just a couple of words would be fantastic. Again, it just helps people find us. So yeah, that would be wonderful. But other than that, um, have a really awesome weekend, weekend. ahead. I'm saying that so I have to put this up today because <laughs> I said it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, oh, when's this going up? <laughs> <laughs> Got to put up today. We actually have to go and move all of the remaining books from our from the shed they're being stored into another one because apparently they told us the wrong shed. Oh, so we've got to go and move all these books from one shed to another, which is going to be fun. How many, how many cookbooks? You don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. They're boxes. <laughs> lots and lots of boxes. Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, have a really cool weekend and um, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye.